If you turned off the Pirates game early, well, then you missed all the action as the Pirates got a late game surge of offense and got the win. Also, why the Pirates are moving on to the next stage of their rebuild, that's all on today's Locked On Pirates. You are Locked On Pirates, your daily Pittsburgh Pirates podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Pirates. My name is Jeff Carr. I'm the Locked On MLB channel manager. I'm filling in for Ethan Smith. Also filling in for Ethan Smith is Gary Morgan from Bucks in the Basement and uh, all the great coverage that he gives you on Twitter. Uh, make sure you check out Gary's stuff there. He has lots of great stuff to say about the next phase of the rebuild for the Pirates on today's Locked On Pirates episode. Locked On Pirates is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We are your team every day. Thanks for, for always making Locked On Pirates your first listen every single day as Ethan brings you great coverage of the Buckos as they continue to get better, as they continue to trend upward in their rebuild. And uh, Gary's got a lot of thoughts to say about that when it comes to some optimistic uh, reasons for optimism. Um, he's, he's looking at a couple of different players in particular there, especially some guys that are really stepping up in the locker room and why this Pirates rebuild is different from others and different from other teams. The, the, this is just a different rebuild. But first he starts by talking about the win last night in which early on didn't really seem like the Pirates were going to get. Hello there and thank you, Jeff. I uh, appreciate the intro. I'm Gary Morgan. I'm back to uh, continue co-hosting Locked on Pirates this week. And I promised you guys we were going to get a little bit more positive at some point this week. And that's what we're going to try to focus on today. We'll start with talking about last night's game. I mean, the Pirates were, again, precariously close to getting shut out slash no hit slash just completely shut down by a starting pitcher for a good stretch of the game, and then they got into the bullpen and really did some damage uh, last night and took the game from the Royals. They were down one nothing all the way into the seventh. Reagan was, Reagan's was incredible last night. <laughs> he really was. And uh, I guess you could say it's the Pirates lineup, but look what the Pirates lineup did as soon as he was out. So sometimes it really is about a pitcher. Um, it happens far too often to the Pirates, as I was just saying. It feels like just about every series there's a game like that where the, the opposing starting pitcher just shuts them down completely. And it takes getting that pitcher out of the game for them to really wake up. That said, uh, Brian Hayes does not need woken up. He has just not stopped hitting. The guy has just... He's found it now, and uh, you know the report just came out yesterday from Jason Mackey that he had gone and visited John Nunnally down in Double A the other day. So, I mean, that reinforces a lot of what we talked about here in the first couple episodes of the week, where we touched on the the, the need to to upgrade the hitting coach position. Um, if you've got one of your long term signed, I guess quote unquote star players taking it upon themselves to go visit a double a um, hitting instructor that they're comfortable with. 
you probably have some issues, right? Um, that won't go unnoticed. As I said, I think yesterday, Andy Haynes will get fired. Um, just be patient. I, I just I think it's more about just not wanting to shake the apple cart right this second, and it really wouldn't do much good for the last month of the season. But Cabrian Hayes just continues to crush baseballs. Um, big time, super important, well-timed home run last night, and he just drilled it. Um, he said post-game he had seen the pitch mix the night before from from the opponent, and he, he just knew what to look for, and he sat on that slider and just crushed it. That's just not the Cabrian Hayes that we have seen the majority of the time from 2020 till now when he was really just everything was hunting away. He was trying to go away with just about everything that would have been a ground out to second base, not even four or five weeks ago. So to see him turn on it and drill it like that, crazy. And then the pirates just laid it on. I mean, uh, I don't know if you guys were watching it, but Lever Pagaro hit an, absolute missile i mean that had to be one of the most no doubt no doubt home runs i've ever seen and he crushed that baseball um i don't even know how to express that that kind of power in the middle infield even though Pagaro is not perfect but a 746 ops he's only got about 100 at bats mind you uh, 248 average right now, which again, I know some of you average folks out there that don't believe in OPS. Um, eventually the game's going to win you over folks because they're starting to use OPS a lot more often. So embrace it. It really does matter. Um, we're talking about a guy that has potential to lock down second base next year with O'Neill Cruz involved, I think that could be a pretty power-packed middle infield. And then you got Hayes. If he's going to hit, he's hit 13 home runs now, folks. If Cabrian Hayes is going to hit for power, I mean, because you're talking about a guy that is probably on pace for, you know, topping 20 home runs in in a season if this is the pace he's going to hit them at. Um, yeah, you you just can't even like argue that that's going to be a pretty good offensive infield, right? They still have to figure out first base. The outfield, I think is still a little bit up in the air, at least as far as who, who does what Jack Sawinski got a couple hits last night. One of them, you know, a little uh, dribbler type one. He, he really went out and attacked one of those pitches out over the zone that I think I've been preaching for a while. He needs to start attacking. Um, they claim to be trying to get him to do that. But again, I think once you've trained him to a certain, certain point, it's really hard to break that with him. Um, but he did, to his credit, go out and seek it, popped it all the way opposite field down the line and, and tucked it inside the foul pole. But because Jack Sawinski has Jack Sawinski luck, bounced off the top of the fence, came right back into play. And next thing you know, he's standing at third base. <laughs> with the triple where um it looked every bit of home run i felt for the kid but in a way i almost didn't want him to get a cheapie like that you know i i think when he when he gets it and he is starting to find it a little bit i think you're gonna you're gonna see him hit 
one of those little stretches where he hits five or six. The the sad thing is that that stretch isn't going to make people really feel not much better about him because the streakiness is is something he's going to have to get under control. But you can rest assured that kid is going to be back next year. He's going to be part of this. They're going to give him every opportunity to see if that power can can really matter up here. I, I got something to say that I think is going to be kind of controversial for some of you, but I'm going to talk about it a little bit more as we finish this episode out. This rebuild is done. I know that doesn't make sense to a lot of people because the team is not good. Right, they're gonna they're gonna have a better record than last year. They only need to win two more games, and they have twenty nine left to to tie the record they they had last year. And uh, I'm positive they'll have that before this weekend's over. So I think uh, you're gonna see an improvement record wise, and they've done that largely without O'Neill Cruz and really largely without a pitching staff for for the second half of the season. So you can anticipate it's going to get better. But a rebuild, you know, sending out assets and, and bringing back prospects, trying to re- refurbish your farm, that's over, folks. That's it. 2023 is it. Next year, you know, you might have some rentals that they trade off or whatever, just like this year. Rich Hill was a rental. Choi was a rental. You might see that sort of thing. But you're not going to see them trading big assets for a, a conglomerate of lottery tickets and kids. That That's how b- rebuilds begin. Once you get to this point, you've achieved the purpose of your rebuild. You've brought in enough pieces to feel like you have a core. That's where they're at. Now it's about how you put on top of that. A rebuild is about building the foundation. The goal of the franchise should be to win a World Series, but the goal of a rebuild is to lay down the foundation that you can build a championship team on. That's where this team, this franchise, has always fallen on their face. So what we really need to see is if it's different now. Has the base they laid been strong enough that they can actually build on it? Let's take a quick break. We come back. Let's pick up talking a little bit about reasons that you should think that things are headed in the right direction. Let's talk a little bit about why we should be optimistic. There are lots of reason for optimism surrounding this Pirates team, starting with the leadership of the young players. Gary explains why coming up next. Before we get to that, I want to tell you about today's sponsor, and that is LinkedIn. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold calling clients waste the time of both the buyer and the seller, especially when sellers are using outdated information. Your organization can overcome these challenges with technology that takes your customer's data and turns it into comprehensive, high-quality buyer data with real-time insights into the needs of your customers. These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to become top performers, which leads to better outcomes like more pipeline, higher win rates, and larger deals. This is called Deep Sales, and LinkedIn has built the first deep sales platform, the LinkedIn Sales Navigator. You can try it out today, the LinkedIn Sales Navigator, and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com 
slash locked on. Start getting more sales wins. Start growing your pipeline and start doing well with LinkedIn. That's linkedin.com slash locked on for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash locked on and get started. Remember that you can catch every pitch of the Pirates Hometown Broadcast with SiriusXM. On the SXM app, just search the word Pirates. And thanks as always for making Lockdown Pirates your first listen every day. If you are not subscribed on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure you do so. We've got Pirates content coming at you each and every day, all year long. Ethan will be back with us here uh, coming up next week. And uh, going to be continuing to detail why this Pirates rebuild is done and they're moving into another phase of it. They're moving into the important phase, which is the building phase. And as Gary is about to tell you, there's plenty of reasons to be optimistic about where they are at. Thanks, Jeff. Um, reasons for optimism. Let's talk a little bit about that because it's hard to uh, look at a team that is going to struggle to get to even 70 wins this year and claim that you should be super optimistic that next year is going to be super great. Because <laughs> I'm telling you, a lot of these players are coming back. Um, before I touch on like individuals, let's just talk about the group. Kids tend to kind of grow together. And they get better together. They push each other. And that's what you kind of get when you bring up a young core all together like that. You have some leaders that are, that are baked in there. The pirates have a lot of non-vocal leaders. Andrew McCutcheon doesn't talk much. Brian Reynolds doesn't talk much. Brian Hayes isn't much of a rah-rah leader speaker type, but they do have a lot of the youngsters that I think are, that kind of brash leadership type guys like Andy Rodriguez, Henry Davis, um, Leovar Piguero to a degree. They're all pretty loud and animated. And, and I think that they'll, they'll get enough of that on field rah, rah leadership type stuff from them while they follow the quality, the, the quality quiet leaders that they have locked up long-term already. And that's point one of optimism. This is already a little bit different than what Neil Huntington did just from the very fact that they locked up Cabrian Hayes and Brian Reynolds. Um, Those two being here for any kind of an extended period of time already makes it a little bit different. Um, I know that in the past the Pirates had, had done that with Starling Marte and Gregory Polanco. Those were attempts to lock up people with potential to be stars really early. They got them at pretty much bargain prices and and eventually moved on from them when they still had plenty of prime left. Brian Reynolds is locked up into his prime. Um, Brian Hayes is locked up into his prime. So that's a little bit different there that you should get peak results from the two of them. You should get the best of what they have to offer at some point in there. I think they're kind of poised to do the same thing with Mitch Keller here. So as we see them extend and lock guys up, I think that's a positive sign that they're not seeing this as 
an immediate churn and burn situation, meaning they're not seeing this as let's try to be Tampa and trade guys off instead of try to sign them. Now, they're not going to sign everybody. Just like Baltimore just said the other day, they, they have no hope of signing all of those stars. And they're right, they don't. And the Pirates don't have any hope of signing all of theirs. They're, they're not going to be able to keep everybody. What you hope is that, you know, by the time you're ready to move on from somebody, you have somebody else ready to come in, in some cases. And in other cases, you're not going to be able to move on from people you know, and replace them. Like, if O'Neill Cruz turns out the way we hope he does, you're not going to be able to replace O'Neill Cruz's production with just anybody. So there are guys that you want to lock up. Brian Reynolds is a consistent switch hitting performer. That's why it was important to lock him up. He's also happens to be the only consistent outfielder they've had on this organization since 2019. So you have to kind of put some kind of a stake in the ground and say, okay, we've got something to build our outfield around because right now they don't have any other surefire answers. I mean, that's why Jack Swinski is getting such a play here, man. I, they, they have to do something to, to kind of settle that situation. But again, that's not part of the rebuild. And part of the optimism is just the fact that they've decided there are some guys we want to make sure are here for this. That's good. Another thing for optimism for me is they're going to batter that record from last year. And they've done it largely without O'Neill Cruz, which I think a lot of us, including the Pirates, felt was going to contribute mightily to this process this year. I, I hate to dumb it down to something as simple as like, hey, the, the Reds are are up on, on the Pirates by like, what, let's see, they're up by eight games in the win column here on the Pirates at, at this late stage of the game. They're only two games over 500, but they're they're better than the Pirates, obviously. Is it fair to say that they're like an Ellie De La Cruz slash O'Neill Cruz away from being right right there with them? Probably not, but I bet they're a lot closer. So it's a big loss to lose somebody like that and to still kind of show improvement this year without him. And in the second half of the season to show this kind of improvement without a pitching staff, they've gone 13 and 15 with essentially two or three starters, depending on what you consider Bailey Falter to be. That is kind of impressive. So <laughs> it may not be ideal. It's certainly not what you want, but to show any kind of improvement while, while playing players like that, is a good sign to me. I also think we're starting to see a little bit of an emergence of some people. People are getting comfortable now. Uh, Andy Rodriguez is starting to really take hold behind the plate now. I think uh, early on, you saw some of those um, kid problems that he was having. Um, Not blocking balls, you know, maybe not calling the right pitches here and there. In fact, I think we're still kind of toying with that a little bit as you see Johan Oviedo calling his own pitches and Mitch Keller kind of requesting having Jason delay back there. 
But Andy Rodriguez is starting to evolve, and Andy Rodriguez is starting to develop a rapport with that pitching staff now. And, and it really is starting to take root. Last night's game was a great example of that because there was, there was one instance where Louis, um, Luis Ortiz looked okay for, for his little bit in there, and he, he had an opener calling Selby last night. But once he got in, Luis Ortiz looked a little bit better. There's one inning where he started to kind of fall apart. And Andy had a quick visit out to the mound, and three or four pitches later, they were out of the inning. He's done that a few times this year. He has a good feel for when to go visit his pitcher. He's starting to understand certain aspects of that position that that I think give you a lot of hope that the catching position in and of itself, we're going to get a lot more production out of. And I think once Endy fully gets the, the catching position around his arms around it, I think you're going to see a lot more offensive production from him because he's a guy that really, I think, needs to feel comfortable defensively before he can really start focusing on his game offensively. So I'm feeling pretty optimistic about a decent amount of positions around the diamond having at least a shot at finding somebody. We know the obvious holes. They have to go out and fill those holes. But again, that's not part of the rebuild. That's the result of the rebuild. The result of the rebuild is you did not find an answer for first base. You did not find a surefire answer for starting pitching. That's that's the result of the rebuild right now. So you have to come in next year and fill in those holes. Optimistically, though, I love like a lot of the depth they've built up. I think you have to trust that kids are going to just keep improving. I think we've seen that kids are going to keep improving. When you watch them, Leo Pagaro, for instance, has he's had his ups and downs. But you heard horror stories about his defense, didn't you? I'm not seeing that. You've heard horror stories about how he chased everything and couldn't, didn't have enough power. And six home runs and 100 at-bats for a second base, I'll take it. That kid went and put weight on over the offseason. That's, that's a kid that knows what he needs to do. They asked him to do it, he went and did it. There's a lot of good signs here if you really want to see them. So let's take another quick break, come back, talk a little bit more about why the Pirates' rebuild is different than the other team's rebuilds. This Pirates' rebuild is not like the others, just like Gary said, or the other teams that are rebuilding, for that matter. Gary explains why, coming up next. Before we get into that, wanted to remind you again, you can catch every pitch of the Pirates' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM. On the SXM app, just search the word Pirates. And thanks as always for making Lockdown Pirates your first listen every day. Coming up tomorrow, Gary will continue to look at some reasons for optimism and how the Pirates can continue to build as they move through this this next phase of the rebuild. All right, we're going to get back into this and why uh, Gary Gary looks at, you know, some different teams around the division and around the league and some different rebuilds that the Pirates have had and why this one's different. I promised I was going to talk a little bit about 
this to a couple people on Twitter, and, and it just needs to be talked about. I heard, I heard somebody say, uh, well, the Cubs rebuild only took a year. And and look at the Reds. The Reds rebuild only took two years. And let's go through that a little bit. Let's really talk about what we're talking about and why it's different. And it's all choice. I'm not telling you the Pirates are smart here. I'm saying the Pirates have taken a different path of their own choosing. They chose to fully blow it all up, trade off, and build this thing through the draft and acquisition of prospects at a lower level. That's what they chose to do. The Reds did too. So why was the Reds so much quicker? Well, (laughs) the the Reds spent money in that last window. They went and bought Moustakis, and they went and bought... Sonny Gray and Trevor Bauer. And and then when it came time to, to blow it up, they were merciless. They traded everything with a pulse. Remember, they had it busted down all the way to Tyler Stevenson and Jonathan India were like the only ones that could get hits. But because they traded off so much really good talent so quickly, all of these kids are ready to come up pretty much at the same time. And they knew they had some guys in the system already, like Ellie De La Cruz was already there and coming up. So it's not as though they weren't aware. But you bring up all those kids, they're going to have growing pains. We're seeing those growing pains right now. You know, they're falling back to the pack and, and, and we're watching it happen. But the reason their rebuild seems so much faster is because they started in a better position. They had more to move. They had more to trade. That's that's why. they And they got great returns for them. The Cubs, they had a lot of big contracts. To be honest, the Cubs didn't even trade as much as I thought they were going to. I thought, sure, they'd move on from Ian Happ. You know? I thought, sure, they would have moved on from Wilson Contreras instead of just holding on to him and trying to, you know, see if they could retain him. They could have even been in a better position. They also got really lucky with Cody Bellinger, and guess who ain't coming back next year most likely to, to the Cubbies, right? I mean, he might if they if they want to pay up, but but Cody Bellinger was, was a crapshoot, one that I suggested the Pirates take, mind you, because there was a time when Cody Bellinger looked like he might even never regain being replacement level, let alone MVP level, and he certainly is this year. That said, the, the Cubs, I don't know where they're at quite yet. Either way, it started with money. They had expensive players to move, good players to move that they paid for. So they had a better baseline. And they still have some prospects close to coming up, like Pete Crow Armstrong, I think, is a good one. The Cardinals will never go into a rebuild. They're going to probably finish this season with a worse record than the Pirates, and it's not about a rebuild. They're just having a really bad season. But they'll just go out and replenish their coffers because that's what the Cardinals do. And before you know it, they'll be right back towards the top of that division. The Brewers have no need to go into a rebuild yet, but they're getting close. Pitching staff is going to force it into them, I think. I I think if you really look at things – 
like Baltimore, I heard, oh, Baltimore's, look at their rebuild. Look how great they are. In year four, they lost 110 games. The Pirates are in year four right now. They're not going to lose 110 games. Now, they also didn't play in the AL East. But regardless, Baltimore's kids came up and struggled too. It's, it's all part of it. Baltimore is going to face the same challenge that the Pirates ultimately will. Do they have enough in their core to build on, and do they do enough to build on it? That's the next question. And I think that's what I want to talk about tomorrow, is what do the Pirates need to do to build on to this to make 2024 successful? And again, I don't care what happens in 2024. I'm not going to call it a rebuild anymore. That's over. 2023 was the last year of the rebuild to me. Now it's about building on. That's it. All we can say now is at this point, the arrow should be pointed up. And if it's not, Ben Charrington has failed. That's all there is to it. And that starts next year, period. Bar none, end of story. Let's look forward to it because I think you're going to see it. I think you're going to see improvement next year. How much? Well, that remains to be seen because the biggest, scariest questions we've always asked as Pirates fans, will they spend? Will Ben sign the right guys? Will they find the right free agents? All of that stuff remains to be seen, and all of that stuff is not predictable. Getting to this point was. There was enough talent that you knew they were going to get to the point where the team could probably wind up approaching 500 without really going out and investing anything. I think next year that's where they'll be as a baseline. If you throw O'Neill Cruz back in, I think you'd probably approach 500 with with, uh, increased starting pitching as well. But if you really want to do better than that, which you should in 2024, with what you've got committed already, then you have to go out and do some things. Tomorrow, let's talk about what some of those things should be. Thanks again for listening all week, and uh, thanks again to Jeff. He's been a huge help doing this, and he's made it really easy for me. And uh, shout out to Ethan because he checked in with me yesterday. I hope everything's going well, brother. That'll do it for today's episode of Locked On Pirates. Thanks again for making us your first listen. Make sure you check out tomorrow's episode and make sure you're subscribed on your favorite podcasting app and right here on YouTube. Ethan will be back next week. Gary will continue to take us through the week and look at how the Pirates can continue to build. So make sure you check us out on tomorrow's Locked On Pirates podcast because we are your team every day.